Are you interested in cracking the customer code? You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business. I'm Jeannie Walters. And I'm Adam Taporek. Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to episode 33 of Crack the Customer Code. Today we're talking about how difficult it might be to go global with your customer experience in this global economy. And we have Aaron Wallace from John Deere the manufacturer of farm machinery and heavy equipment. They've been a strong band in America for over 100 years. And Aaron's going to share some stories with us about how John Deere is now a global brand. And we've got a customer zero story about how poor customer satisfaction is leading Walmart down a slippery slope. Are you mapping your customer journeys but struggling with how to derive value from your maps? Touchpoint Dashboard is a powerful yet easy-to-use web-based journey mapping platform that was purpose-built to ensure that your journey maps meet your goals and become the catalyst for change that they were meant to be. To learn more, check out touchpointdashboard.com. That is touchpointdashboard.com. Sponsoring our show is a great way to reach business leaders and customer experience professionals. We'd love to talk to you about how we can help you get your message out. Go to crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor for full details. So Adam, have you heard about the Target Canada debacle? Well, by debacle, I assume you mean the fact that they are no longer going to be in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it did not work out for them. Uh, They tried to introduce the store into the Canadian market, and it was described as a supply chain disaster. (laughs) And they basically had to get the heck out of there. They are no longer in Canada, and it was really a failure of epic proportions. And it's just surprising because in America, we love Target stores. So what do you think happened? Why do you think they couldn't survive in the Great White North? (laughs) You're going to ask me. Well, my analysis of Target. You know, it's interesting because I'm a big Target fan, and, you know, we've got Erin Wallace coming up, and she talks about how John Deere has successfully you know, integrated into different cultures and different markets. So it's very interesting with the Canadian market that they didn't do it because North America is generally a consistent market. Mm-hmm. What, what works in America generally works in Canada. It's not, there's not a huge cultural gap generally. But, you know, supp- supposedly there have been supply chain issues, which is obviously a big thing. They had 133 stores. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking, I mean, one thing that's interesting about it, you know, Nordstrom's going into Canada right now, mm-hmm. but they're going very slow. They're testing the waters. And there's sort of two ways to approach this when you're an executive. One of them is, well, we just got to go and we got to go in big because that's how we make our supply chain work. Right. We can't afford to build distribution centers for two stores. We have to build them for 20 stores or whatever it may be. So it's very interesting. What are your thoughts on it, Jeannie? Well, I'm not sure I totally agree that North America is easy that way because Canada is totally different than the U.S., especially with the French language being, you know, an official language there and different cultures and everything else. And one of the ways that one of the things that that Target is being criticized for is actually trying to run a Canadian business with only American executives. They did not really bring in the Canadian perspective, the leadership that they might need up there. And then to your point, the supply chain sounds like it was really horrid. And so people would go to the stores and they wouldn't find things. Everything would be sold out. They also said that compared to the American stores, these stores just were not up to par. They, 
the store prices weren't competitive in Canada to the likes of Walmart and folks like that. And a lot of the merchandise that you're going for, if that's out of stock, that's that's a bad customer experience. I think we can agree. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, supply chains, everything when you're that type of retailer. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think yeah. the the cultural thing is probably going to be analyzed eight ways from Sunday. But I really think that not having leadership in that country uh, was a huge, huge mistake for them because you're going to assume things about customers. You're going to assume things about behavior that might just be different. Um, so it sounds like they kind of, to your point, they went big, but they also did it kind of halfway. And the, it's like a recipe for disaster all over the place. Yeah. And it's hard to say what the lack of local leadership, you know, what effect that had. Was it about not understanding the market and customers or was it not understanding the operational and governmental and all of these other things that you have to deal with when you go into another country? So it's very interesting to know, like, why was that an issue? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what what actual specific problems came from not having local leadership? And who knows? You know, the problem is it's all Monday morning quarterbacking. Right. Now, right? It's all right. like, oh, well, it's you didn't do this and you didn't do that. I think they're going to be um, really cautious about any other introduction into the global market. This was supposed to be kind of their first step into being a worldwide empire. And I would be really shocked if they tried to do it again. And you know what? Minneapolis is not that far from Canada. <laughs> That's where they're based. <laughs> so like you they're think here in Florida. <laughs> they could just drive across the border and go check it out, but whatever. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by what they're going to be doing with the real estate and the leases because it's 133 mm. stores. And, you know, I've done franchising and in franchising, we've gone into centers with Target and Target's very interesting. They have a separate lease when they're, when you go to these big shopping centers where there's a Target, their lease actually controls the rest of the shopping center, but it's completely separate. I mean, they run the show. Hmm. Okay, it's very interesting. So I'm very curious to see how they wind out of all these leases up there and all these um, big brands. I know a handful of them, like the prime spots, people were like the landlords were happy to get it back because they don't want a slow anchor in there. Right, right. Right. So they were happy to put somebody big in, but the other spots will be interesting. Hmm. It'll be fascinating to see if they ever try something like this again. But I think it's a lesson about really understanding where are you going next. And that's what's so great about having Erin on the show today, because she has gone through that with John Deere. So Erin Wallace is joining us today. She is a global manager of customer experience for John Deere. And Jeannie, I know you had a chance to hear a bit of her story at the Customer Experience Professionals Association Insight Exchange. That's a mouthful. (laughs) That's right. I did. And I was really impressed with what John Deere, which is such an American brand, has done throughout the globe and Aaron's story to go along with that. So Aaron is a B2B and B2C CX leader. She's focused on enabling John Deere and its dealers to deliver a distinctive customer experience that earns customers for generations. A farm girl at heart, she enjoys working hard and playing harder with her husband and children in Kansas City. So we're thrilled to have you. Welcome, Erin. Thank you. It's so great to join you today. Thanks. Well, I know I, I mentioned a little bit about the John Deere story, but I'm, I'm curious because customer experience is not something that a lot of kids wake up and say, that's what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your journey into being a customer experience pro. Sure, I would be glad to. Um, I did spend several years in other fields of work with John Deere prior to entering into customer experience. I started out working at our factories and then uh, 
moved into sales and marketing and account management roles and was really led into customer experience by someone who did it before me, um, so the, really one of the um, founding uh, folks uh, at John Deere anyway um, when it comes to customer experience. And it's uh, been a great way to use a, a diverse um, set of experiences and skills to um, improve the outcomes for our com- company and our customers. Great. So John Deere is such an iconic American brand. What are some of the challenges of introducing a brand like this to a global stage? Some of the challenges of introducing John Deere globally have been um, expecting that John Deere means the same thing to everyone around the world. We are so blessed, uh, fortunate to have a um, such a strong brand in the U.S. But frankly, if you go to some of our um, growth markets around the world, uh, the vast portion of the population and even our target markets have never heard of John Deere. Um, and so it is uh, a completely different um, business in other parts of the world than what, what it is in uh, the U.S. Um, we've had uh, 178 years of history in the U.S. and um, we've had um, you know, 20 or less years of history in, in other places where there have been tractor companies or manufacturers that support customers in our same business that have been there for 100 years plus. Um, so that's definitely been a challenge. Um, in the U.S., we are also um, fortunate to have a couple of strong competitors. And you can compare that to other places of the world where we may have 80 or 90 different competitors and the market is much more fractured than it is here in the U.S. Um, so we've had, uh, you, you can, you know, Google John Deere and, and learn about some of the challenges that we've had um, and some of the risks that we've managed entering markets um, like China, for example, where the color green um, isn't perhaps the, um, the, the favorite color of the culture, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, so you, you make decisions about um, the various brand components and what makes sense to, to enter other markets. And for the most part, we have leveraged the John Deere brand in every market entry. We do have some partnerships um, that expand and broaden um, our portfolio. Um, but for the most part, we have entered every market with the same brand and brand uh, promises that we um, have uh, that, that have propelled us to success here in the U.S. And so how do you do that when you enter these markets that maybe are unfamiliar to both you and to them, quite frankly? So how do you test or discover if a customer experience will be similar to the tried and true experiences of your multi-generational experience that you offer here? Uh, What if you discover that the journey is different or varies greatly? How do you test that? Sure. I think that the, the short answer is that yes, Customer journeys are different in various markets, um, but the, the John Deere's journey to the customer is always the same, and that is through our um, dealer channel. So uh, dealer channels will vary uh, significantly, but they are always um, our objective is always to ensure that our dealer channel is what differentiates us um, in both the short term and the long term um, from our competition. I can give you an example of. Um, of uh, kind of a market entry. India is one of our newer markets. And um, in India, our dealers are um, also, uh, we, we partner with 
not just Tata dealers, but Tata dealers are one of the dealer channels that bring um, our tractors to market in India. And uh, they also sell automotive um, solutions for customers. Um, and they tend to be located in more um, urban areas while, um, you know, agricultural producers um, aren't in urban areas. And so there are a couple of uh, different experiences for our customers um, that you wouldn't find um, always in the U.S., right, because it's, it's pretty different. So, for example, um, we are a strategic marketing organization led what they call the Zameen experience, which is essentially means farming experience, and met with uh, farmers and dealers uh, to discuss um, and learn from them in a very qualitative way um, what their uh, pain points and pressures are and how we might organize the customer experience to, to overcome some of those things. So, for example, there's a traveling showroom um, that brings equipment out into the field um, where customers can, um, can test drive and, and operate equipment, 12 or 13 producers at a time. Um, and uh, when those traveling showrooms go out to an area, they may also place a call first to those producers and inquire about what additional value can they bring um, can they bring milk from the store? Can they, um, you know, bring parts or equipment or supplies along with um, the, the the showroom that they're that they're traveling out to the the rural countryside for? And that um, demonstrates, you know, to our our customers and to our prospects, right, that they're um, that we value them and and care for their um, their needs, whether those needs are specifically related to a tractor purchase or not. Um, same example, we worked with our customers and dealers in India to um, identify what that dealer um, showroom experience should be when the customer travels into um, the city to meet with our, our dealers there and created prototypes um, within matters of weeks and tested those with our customers. And so I think um, we don't assume that the experience in the U.S. is what should be delivered all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the experience in Brazil, for example, is quite different than in India. Um, and uh, so we use local market, local market knowledge and expertise um, as well as um, gaining deep insights from our customers and our dealers to define um, what should that experience be to enable success in that local market. And that's great. You know, I like the idea. I like how you're using the dealer network to basically figure out the customer experience you know, on a local level and to work with the dealers. And I'm always fascinated by you know automotive and something like John Deere where there is a dealer network because it's almost like you have two layers of customers. Of course, you have the end user, but how do you view the dealer? Is the dealer a customer as well? Do you approach it the same way, more of a partner, a little bit of both? We only talk about end use owners of our equipment, you know, as customers. Um, that's a really clear definition at John Deere. Dealers are our partners, um, and we, you treat partners and customers pretty differently. Um, and so that's been um, something that has been a real objective over the last five or six years to the point where it's pretty ingrained in our operation now. We still have um, challenges, you know, at some level internally with um, some enabling organizations that think about our um, colleagues and coworkers as customers, um, but we are continuously striving to drive home the message that when we talk about customers, we're talking about people that own and operate our equipment, um, that are our end use 
owners of our the, the solutions that we sell. Our dealers are our partners, um, and our our colleagues and coworkers are um, are just that. That's that's a really good definition as well. Um, and so, what do you think are some lessons that you've learned in the role that you've had that other leaders focused on customer experience could could learn from? There are so many lessons learned, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the time that I've been in customer experience, but um, a few of, the, of maybe the more meaningful lessons. Um, the first is um, to be disciplined and focused in your approach and what you want to accomplish. Um, and uh, in order to do that, you need to understand where your organization is and, and where um, you want to take them, right? Because mm-hmm. you need to be able to communicate um, not only a vision, but also a plan for getting there. So don't skimp the time required to do that well. Um, also, in the, your attempts to be focused um, and disciplined, um, you need to communicate consumable pieces of information. Um, when it comes to customer experience, it can be it, some of us have a tendency to, to talk um, in the customer experience language, and um, <laughs> I would encourage practitioners to talk in the language of their company to make things relevant in the language that's already used mm-hmm. and to help people see um, the desired outcome in a language that makes sense to them. Um, so that, that's definitely one lesson learned. Um, another um, might be to um, engage not only the hearts of your organization, um, those, you know, a lot of people believe that it's absolutely the right thing to do to make customers happy, and, and they can wrap their, their hearts around that really easily, but you also have to engage the minds of your organization, and one of the best ways to do that is to be able to put dollars and cents to the impact of delivering um, a distinctive customer experience. And um, while I've been working in this space for about six years at John Deere, we did that in the last year um, because we knew we would need that momentum to propel us um, to the next level. And um, it has been um, worth every, you know, every effort that it took, every hour of effort and every penny that it took to do that. (laughs) Um, And so I would definitely recommend that leaders start with that. Um, and, and put that early in their plan so that you can engage um, not only the people that just believe it's the right thing to do, but also the people that need to, to um, understand how it fits in, in terms of payoff to the organization. Those are great points, because if you don't plan for success, then it's really easy to kind of drown in customer experience a little bit. <laughs> so that's a really great point. So I have one final question for you here. You mentioned that you have children. How many John Deere toy tractors do they own? <laughs> oh, gracious. I've never counted. <laughs> I figured they might have a collection because I know my kids did. <laughs> so. Well, my husband has two. Oh, nice. Um, and my children, man, I've got between outside and inside toys. Goodness gracious. I bet there's probably 50 or 60. There's a, you know, I have two young boys, right? So you never can have enough tractors and dump trucks. That's true. That's I, I have two two boys as well, so I can relate to that. <laughs> My daughter, on the other hand, is not nearly excited when I come home with something green and yellow. I'm still working on her. <laughs> uh, well, she'll, she'll learn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, this was really enlightening. I think it's it's a fascinating brand story to to watch because 
again, so iconic. You guys are multi-generational in the United States. And to see how you're reaching out into the global market. Um, I love the story about, you know, can we bring you milk from the store? <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's true customer service right there. So where can folks find you if they're interested in reaching out on the internet? Absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn mm-hmm. under um, Aaron Wallace, and you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is um, R-E-D-E-J-O-N-G. Great. And we'll definitely have those in the show notes as well. Uh, thank you so much. I think this was really enlightening and we, we learned a lot. So thank you so much for your time. Yes, thank you, Aaron. Thank you. It's a pleasure to participate. Have a great day. Thank you, Aaron. Take care. Bye-bye. It's time for Customer Hero, Customer Zero. And today our Customer Zero is Walmart. But really, it's a warning cry for any organization struggling with customer satisfaction. So Jeannie, tell me, this was your vote for a zero. <laughs> Tell us all about it. Well, Adam, (laughs) (laughs) Walmart is sort of the poster child for what could happen if you don't really pay attention when your customer satisfaction rates are dropping. And what I mean by that is with uh, right now, their customer satisfaction has been at the lowest level since 2007. And if you compare that to how they're doing as a business, They also posted their weakest annual sales growth in five years. So anybody could look at this and draw the conclusion that if you don't fix these problems with customer satisfaction, your business metrics will follow. And I think one of the problems that we run into or challenges, I should say, as customer experience professionals is that some business leaders just don't want to hear that. They want to say, "Okay, we've got a problem with our numbers And not really, it's not related to customer satisfaction because one lags the other sometimes. And I think this is a good example of what can happen if you aren't paying attention to improving the customer experience overall. What do you think, Adam? You know, I think we're getting a pattern here because I remember a previous episode where we talk about a large company and what's wrong with them. You say it's all about their customer experience. And I start talking about macroeconomics. Ugh. So what would be interesting, because, you know, correlation and causality are not always the same. Right. Is it customer experience? I don't know. But it is interesting that they are sort of continuously declining. And I think that is important because we know in the end it matters, right? In the end, customer experience is almost always related to retention, to growth, to add-on sales, all that stuff. What's interesting, though, is the economy is also doing better. Mm-hmm. At least parts of the economy are doing better. So I don't know how that affects Walmart's business because they definitely are a recession play for sure. They do well when the economy doesn't do well. However. So, so what's interesting is, but not every part of the economy is doing well. So that's what makes it a complicated question. And not only that, but at the same time as their numbers are going down, comparable places like Target and Costco, their numbers are going up. And they continue to have higher satisfaction rates across the board as well. So while you can't say that's the only thing, I would have to say that, you know, if if I have a choice as a customer, I'm going to go to the place that treats me better if everything is the same in my mind. Um, and actually, dollar stores and places like that have chipped away at business for all of them because they started improving the experience and the products that they were providing and customers reacted to that. And they realized that they could get some things at the dollar store that they used to go to Walmart for. So 
there are definitely complex issues here, but I think it's worth noting that if you're looking at long-term strategies, improving the customer experience better be part of that. And even if it is an operations pro- problem or something like that, or supply chain or any of those things, fix it. <laughs> I right. mean, it's, it's, it's easy, I think, to look at hard numbers and say, okay, well, uh, we can just, you know, pull this lever and this happens, but it's a bigger issue. Humans are complicated. We want to feel good when we shop with somebody. And I think that's what's been happening is that feeling of this feels good to shop here is being chipped away. I want to feel done when I'm shopping. <laughs> That's what I want to feel. But no, I mean, the customer experience, it's got to be part of the whole package. When you talk about an organization that large and of that scale, I mean, they've really, you've got to have the product. We were just talking about Target Canada, right? Yeah, you've got to yeah. have the product on the shelves, mm-hmm. no matter how many times you smile and greet somebody. Right, right. They still came there to get something. They need to have it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's part of it. What's interesting, you mentioned Target and um, Costco. You know, they're branching out in a lot of ways. Target obviously branched out unsuccessfully to Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, Costco, fun fact for today, Uh-oh. is now the second biggest car dealer in the country. They're amazing. They're selling they really cars. Are. They're second only to AutoNation. And part of what is fascinating about their model is that some things are so simple, but they make perfect sense. They they get you know I think it's fifteen percent margin on every product they sell no matter what so that's how they price everything so it's very straightforward they aren't being you know greedy on one thing and and a loss leader on the other it's it's an honest transaction and they pay their people better than a lot of places they treat them very well they offer things that other employers don't that comes across in the customer experience all of these things that lead to a better uh, environment for not only the employees, but the customers as well. So I, I love learning from them. I think they're a really great company. And I'm curious to know, I don't know if you know this, they just um, dissolved their deal with Amex. I, I saw that. Yes, I did. Yeah, so I'm curious to know what's behind that, if it's just a financial decision or if it's a customer experience decision, because you could only use an Amex mm-hmm. or a debit, you know. So it's- Although they have not announced what happens next, because I think they are going to go into partnership with another brand of card like a visa, but uh, I haven't heard the final outcome on that, but I heard personally that it was a financial decision and that um, that's really what drove it because they got to a point again where they, they have these formulas and they stay true to them and, and that way the customers kind of win. And it, you know, what else is fascinating about Costco is how I can go in there to buy like our produce for the week and milk and walk out with a DVD player. (laughs) How does that happen? (laughs) <laughs> you need a list and like a little shocker for i know i do i do no i'm we're pretty good actually my husband goes to costco more often than me because of that <laughs> he's he's better at sticking to the script <laughs> uh, yeah it just depends you know sometimes i have like the guy stuff it's like oh man yeah oh, wow a fifty thousand piece drill set for 1999 <laughs> i know awesome awesome well you know it's interesting the amex uh speaking of customer experience so uh i have a costco amex card yeah yeah. But I don't any longer. It's right. going away in a few months. So right. we asked Amex, okay, can we just roll it over into another thing? Oh, no, you have to completely reapply, put in your income. Yeah, the whole, the whole, I, like, yeah. I know. And usually they're yeah. so good. I love Amex, but um, we've had that same issue. And that was more about the Costco partnership than anything else, because I've been a member with Amex for a long time. And uh, the Costco thing is like a totally separate branch unfortunately, because I would have had a lot more points. 
Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so we have digressed. So uh, what is it about Walmart you'd like to close with? Um, you know, I think we solved the global retail situation here by just saying, <laughs> you know, treat your customers well, treat your employees well, and pay attention when your satisfaction numbers or your experience numbers are going down a little bit at a time, because long term, that's going to hurt you as a business. It's really about that. So the zero wasn't even about their customer service. It was about failing to see the trends in their customer service. Yeah, I would say so. But those things go hand in hand, as you know. They're very important, of course. (laughs) All right. Well, I would like to thank our sponsor, Touchpoint Dashboard, for sponsoring today's podcast. To learn more about how Touchpoint Dashboard can help you understand and transform your customer experience, visit touchpointdashboard.com. And Jeannie... How about I thank everybody for listening to episode 34 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Adam Deporek, and my website is customersatstick.com. Find more episodes and all the show notes at crackthecustomercode.com. And I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can read my blog several times a week and sign up for our CXI Club newsletter at 360connects.com. And please subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, we'd love your comments and review. Let us know what you like, what we can improve on, or who you'd like us to invite as a guest. And please, tell someone you know. We love word of mouth. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.